Hello and welcome to a very special Galloway's Get Together Show with Jill and Bob. Our guest this time is Paralympian Steve Bate, MBE, who will be sharing his story with us. You can never know what it's like. Your blood like when a fuse is just like ice. And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you. You wind up like the red you hide behind that mask you use. And did you think this fool could never win? Well, look at me, I'm coming back again. I got a taste of love and a simple way. And if you need to know while I'm still standing, you just fade away. Don't you know I'm still standing? Better than Mr. Elton John and I'm still standing from 1983 and there was a video shot to go along with that in Canton's and Nice to go along with a new station, MTV. And old Mr. Bruno from Strictly was in that video, Jill. He was, yeah, one of the, dan- <laughs> one of the backing dancers he was. <laughs> now, Steve Bate is a visually impaired Paralympian who cycles for Team GB and he's won medals at two Olympic Games. He's absolutely an amazingly positive guy. And throughout the show, we're going to be playing the chat that I had with him. And he started by telling me about his diagnosis and how it changed the course of his life. So for me, it was a bit of a surprise, really, finding out that I had retinitis pigmentosa. Um, I was working for an outdoor charity, working with disadvantaged young children in the north of Scotland. And we decided, uh, as, as a group of instructors, it would be a really good idea to have our eyes tested once a year. And I knew that I had an issue with my eyesight, 
like in the dark, really, mainly I, I struggled walking out of like winter climbing and things like that. I trip over things and stuff. So I knew I knew there wasn't something quite right. But, you know, I went in for a standard eye, eye check and, you know, I, I could still read the very bottom line off the uh, off the eye chart. So, you know, my macular vision was still really good. The um, Lloyd, the optometrist said, oh, yeah, you've got you've got 20, 20 vision. Great. And, you know, I just made a passing comment, said, well, it's, it's bizarre that because, you know, like. I really can't see in the dark that well compared to other people. And, you know, if I drop my keys on the floor at my feet, sometimes it takes me a while to actually see where they are to pick them up. So uh, so I, I went on the visual field test and, of course, that exposed that I had absolutely zero uh, peripheral vision. I remember the person who was kind of talking me through the test, just saying, right, the test has started, you know, when you when you see a light, click the clicker. I think when they repeated themselves the third time and said, you know, when you see a light, just click the just click the clicker. And I thought, oh, hang on a second. Like, I'm not seeing any lights. It started. Something's not right here. It became pretty apparent pretty quickly after the first eye that as soon as I finished the second eye, uh, they were straight back into Lloyd's office saying, oh, you need to see this because this is, this is, you know, here's some alarm bells. And, yeah, and I remember... Lloyd saying, looking at it and just saying, all oh, right, you know, come back into come back into my office. And he just said, right, there's a big issue here. Have you got someone who can come and collect you? Because I don't think you should drive home. And I was like, oh, you're joking, aren't you? You know, like I've driven to the eye test, you know, and, and I realized straight away he was serious. And then he said, I don't think you should ever be, you should ever drive a car again. God, how old was I? 34, maybe something like that. So, you know, fiercely independent male, drove everywhere and, you know, was fit and healthy. Worked as an outdoor instructor, trying to, you know, at that point in my life, I was trying to be an alpine guide. So, you know, trying to guide people in the Himalayas and stuff. That's what I was working towards. And all of a sudden, that looked like there was a big question mark around that. There was this thing about, oh, right, okay, well, I can't drive home. And he, he kind of talked me through what, what it was and suggested that I went and see a specialist in Aberdeen and who could, um, you know, kind of clarify and we could work out exactly what the issue was, if there was a cure, which obviously, um, as, as I found out very swiftly, there wasn't. And this was... This was going to be my life moving forward, you know, not not being able to drive and, and certainly guiding in the mountains was, you know, I, I just thought, well, that's that's going to be impossible. Like, I can't do that. I guess that sparked a part of my life which um, left me with hundreds of questions and very few answers of what on earth I was going to, going to do with my life and how I was going to manage this situation. Because seeing the specialist, he, you know, he had sort of said, well, the worst case scenario, Steve, is you're going to be blind in four years. And certainly that hit home at the time. You know, these dreadful words, I'd rather be dead than blind. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be no use to anyone. You know, my what I knew as my life, you know, this great adventure and being in the mountains and climbing and doing all this fun stuff. What, you know, I just couldn't see how that was possible. So I really struggled for about six months to work out how on earth I was going to carry on. So having had that diagnosis, what was the next thing that you did? It was funny because, like, I've got an amazing support network around me, and I had then and I still have now, you know, some incredible friends. And what I found was that, you know, I had everyone around me going, you know, like, don't worry, it'll be fine, you'll work it out. But at the time when I was going through that, none of them had gone through anything like this. So at that point, I was searching for someone basically to tell me everything was going to be okay. But that was a very specific person who I thought that had to come from. The criteria of that was they've had to have some sort of big ordeal in their life to justify them telling me it's going to be okay. 
And that, and that person came with a friend of Karen Dar, who had a climbing accident at 21 years old, um, broke her back in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And Karen's absolutely incredible. Like, I say this to everyone, if you've never come across Karen Dark, Google her now and check her out because she's probably one of the most inspirational people I've ever met in my life. And thankfully, she's a great friend of mine. So I spoke to Karen. She said, you know, hey, you know, great. You're going blind. You can race on the back of a tandem and come <laughs> and ride in New York with me and, you know, and, and race for, for Great Britain on the, on the back of a tandem. And of course, at that time, I was like, no, Karen, you don't understand. I can't do any of this stuff anymore. And, mm. you know, and, and, and she kind of palmed off and just said, get a grip of yourself, mate. You know, you've got to move forward. And the sooner you do that, the better. I mean, I guess at the time that was pretty hard to hear, but she was bang on right. And, and I guess I came away from that, uh, that conversation with, uh, yeah, with a different outlook, you know, like, hey, okay, Karen says it's going to be okay. It's probably going to be okay.
Oh, there was lots of arm waving going there on was. in the studio there we with were, S Club 7 and Reach, weren't there? We ever? were reaching yeah. all the time, yeah. <laughs> Three weeks at number two, and that was the theme tune from the second series of the group CBBB yeah, CBBB <laughs> series. <laughs> Go on, Jill. CBBC, the... <laughs> Children's BBC. That's it, uh, LA7. You're listening to the Galloway's Get Together with Bob and Jill. And if you'd like to get in touch with Galloway's, it's really very easy. The opening hours are from 9 till 5, Monday to Friday. The telephone number is 01-772-744-148. And if you'd like to email them, it's enquiries at galloways.org.uk. And the receptionist there will be very pleased to welcome you. Let's hear some more now from Steve Bate. Having got to a position where he was looking at life in a more positive way, following a diagnosis of retinitis pigmentosa, he told me how he began to move forward with his life. For me, the, the first thing I did was got back to climbing because, you know, I'd stopped climbing for kind of four or five months thinking that that wasn't possible. And then the, 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 the true thing, I think, that unlocked everything and made me realize my potential was going to El Capitan and soloing El Capitan. I went out there with a, with a friend of mine who had climbed that particular rock 35 times or something. It's a thousand meters high of, of a sheer rock face. You mm. know, it's not walking up a mountain, it's rock climbing well, on this six massive, days. massive rock face. Six yeah, days so it took me do... six days to solo it, yeah. Yeah. And what, um, what did and you do in between? That... I mean, obviously you spent the night on the mountain, did you? Just suspended in a... A yeah, so they call it a portal ledge. Yeah, so it's basically like a rigid hammock that you just suspend and, and sleep in that. So it's, a, it's the coolest part of big wall climbing, to be <laughs> fair. Um, it's, a, it's, it's really awesome. Um, but the view is always spectacular up there. So it's, it's worth it, even if you're terrified. It's absolutely <laughs> worth it. But I hate to disappoint people, but it's not actually as hard and, as, as it seems when you're seeing the pictures and it looks very epic and, you know, kind of gnarly and it crazy. Looks terrifying it's terrifying after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the pictures make it look like that, but it's, it's, it's not. Not, it's not too bad to be, you know, mm. to, to be fair. It's a, yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, you're in California, you know, the sun away shines and it's lovely. It's not like it's not like climbing in Scotland where you can get, you know, lashing rain and <laughs> sunshine in the space of five minutes. So getting to the top of El Cap and realizing that actually I can still live the life that I always intended for myself, you know, with, with having RP, I think I realized my I guess my own potential so I often say that was like you know because obviously I was a pretty adventurous person and up for life before this diagnosis um but I, but I really think having RP was the missing piece of the puzzle that I needed to almost like go into overdrive and really achieve some incredible things you know I'm not sure I ever would have gone to LCAP if I didn't have this diagnosis it, it might have been one of those things that was always there going oh yeah that's the dream to climb that I'd love to go there and solo that and you know, how many of us say, oh, I'd love to do that and never, ever do it? And having that four-year deadline of, hey, you might be blind then, I thought I have to stop saying I'd love to do that and make it happen. If I really want to do it, I have to find a way to make it happen. And, and LCAT was definitely one of those things. I can almost see it, that dream I'm dreaming, but... There's a voice inside my head saying you'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaking, but I, I got. 
Listening to Galloway's Get Together Show with Bob and Jill. Tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. And the world will turn it inside out. Floating around in ecstasy. So Sky, like a tiger, defying the laws of gravity. I'm a racing car, 
We were having a ball around the studio, weren't we, Jill? Certainly were. Yeah. Queen and Don't Stop Me Now, it only peaked at number nine, but has become very popular due to its use in adverts, TV programmes and films. It's used all the time, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, it's an amazing song. <laughs> This is a Galloway's Get Together special show and we're chatting to Paralympian Steve Bate. After he'd climbed El Capitan in California, he came back looking for a new challenge. When I topped out on El Cap, the, the self-confidence that gave me was incredible. And like I say, Karen planted that seed of cycling in my head. And, you know, at that point, it, I think it was about two and a half years away from the Paralympics in Rio. And I thought... Wow. I mean, imagine going to a Paralympics when you've never been an athlete in your life. I went on what's called a talent ID day where people can come along and try out, jump on a bike and see if you can produce a, you know, enough power and try and find people to, you know, take up the sport and represent the country. And, you know, I was pretty fortunate. Um, Karen rode for British Cycling at that time, competed in London, won a silver medal. So I, I guess I was lucky. Like, you know, she gave me the phone number of the program manager at the time. You know, I said, hey, I, you know, like, I want to come and try out. I've got this visual impairment. And they were like, OK, great. And they said, I oh, will let you know, if, you know, the results and, you know, in a week's time. And if we're interested, we'll get in contact with you. And after a week, I hadn't heard anything. So being me, I got impatient and just I phoned them and said, right, what's the deal? You know, am I any good or not? You know, so it wasn't like I went along and blew everyone's minds because I'm this wonderful cyclist. It was, <laughs> you know, I, I think unless I was forthcoming and proactive i would never be in the position i'm in because they would have never phoned me i would have just thought oh well they i'm no good they don't need me and i would have carried on with probably climbing and or some other direction in my life and so yeah i came back from el cap and phoned them up and said right i'm back from climbing i'm ready to start my cycling <laughs> career and then i had to go to wales like in i think three weeks after i was back and that went pretty well and then in january 2014 I was brought on to the uh, podium program for British Cycling as a full as a full time athlete. But meant moving from Scotland down down here to West Yorkshire, close to the the Manchester Velodrome, and start this kind of crazy dream <laughs> of trying to make it to Rio in two and a half years' time. The the interesting thing about going to a Paralympics is you have to qualify. You know, not everyone can just rock up and have a go at the Paralympics. So even when I signed on to the program. Uh, in 2014, it was never a given that I would make a Paralympics. You know, we had to, we had to prove that we were successful. You know, you have to prove you can compete at the highest level, win races, or be there or thereabouts. You know, I mean, Adam, who I rode with, my site pilot on the tandem, you know, we, we worked incredibly well together. You know, we were relentless for two and a half years. But at the end of the day, it, it, it comes down to a selection panel of, of three people. It was never guaranteed that I'd ever go to a Paralympics without, mm. you know, two and a half years of, you know, probably the hardest hardest work of, of my life, I think. But two golds and a bronze and a world record justified their selection. You'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you, you? Yeah, you'd hope so. For Adam and I, I think going into 2016, we'd had good results, but not great results. You know, we didn't win a World Cup race until six months before we actually got selected for the games. You know, we, we were never we were never amazing, but we were always getting better. There was always progression with each race. You know, we were climbing up the rankings. We were doing well, but we'd never really hit that big kind of like, ooh, yeah, these, these guys are, this is it. These guys are going to go and win golds. And, and to be honest, it was a shock to Adam and I that we did what we did there. I mean, we hoped we'd, we'd win a medal, 
But again, it just it just goes to show you, you surround yourself with the right people. And British Cycling happened to happened to be the best in the business at that. You know, when I when we started riding together, I was like I say, I was a bum climber who didn't know anything <laughs> about cycling. And yeah, you know, he was this elite guy. So instantly that you know, the level that he expected from me, you know, the bar that he set was really high. And I had a choice. I could either go, well, no, I'm not going to do that because that's too hard. Or I'll tell you what, I'll give you 100% every time we ride this bike and let's see what happens. Mm. And, and, you know, that's all I did. You know, Mm. in two and a half years, you can't think ahead and go, I'm going to stand on top of that podium. All you can think about is today and doing the session that you need to do. And, Mm. you know, I mean, like I say, I'm incredibly fortunate to be with within the wings of British cycling because you know they've got coaches and staff who have been through that process many times and, and you know they're not the ones saying oh think two and a half years down the track you're going to be you know a world champion and a and a you know world record holder all I want you to do is get through today's session mate give me 110% of commitment today's session and then when you get off the bike you can recover and then we'll look at tomorrow's session and take it day by day the success of British cycling is so huge now Mm. at Olympics and Paralympics. It's an expected thing. You know, it's just a given that (laughs) if you, you know, if you get selected and you're going to represent your country, you're coming back with gold medals. That's, that's the standard. That's what they operate at. You carry that burden with you, you know, and you, you know, you're going there and there's only one thing that you'll accept. And that is a gold medal. When you're inside that bubble, Mm. that's just the expectation and you don't accept anything less.
House City there from 2012. They're an electronic project created by Adam Young. Actually, he started in his parents' garage. Um, and that's from the album Midsummer Station. Now, Steve Bate, who we're chatting to on the show today, is an amazing person to chat to. And he says he's always been pretty adventurous and up for life. But his story is absolutely amazing, as you can gather from what we've done so far. Yeah, Steve was uh, born in New Zealand in 1977. And then he moved to Moray in Scotland to work as an outdoor instructor, working with disadvantaged young children. But what he really wanted to do was be an alpine guide. And of course, his diagnosis meant that that wasn't to be. And now he lives in Yorkshire and he was awarded an MBE in 2017 for services to cycling. And he's adamant that he's an ordinary bloke who's worked hard and doesn't have superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) No, but he he got a lot of help from a, a fellow Paralympian who's Karen Dark, and she really pushed him on when things She did, yeah. She's a cyclist quite as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she had a, a she was a climber, and she had a very bad accident and ended up in a wheelchair. So she knew all about when something goes wrong. So she pushed Steve on. And, of course, he had a sight pilot as well, or has a sight pilot, which is Adam Dugley. Yes. And he's an elite cyclist yeah. in his own right. Yeah, he's you know he's the one that's that's pushed him on. He's the one that looks where they're going and helps that's with the it. pedaling. <laughs> Steve just keeps his head down and pedals, pedals like, like mad. Like mad yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, time for a bit more music. Shall we have some more Queen? Bicycle, yes. bicycle, yeah. bicycle. I want to ride my Wayne, hot dogs, I call a man, I don't want to be dumb. 
Hey, if you're passing through Morecambe, why not call into Broomy Sunshine? It's so much more than just a cafe. With its great drinks and amazing delicacies, sight loss advice and a warm welcome. At number 12, Victoria Street, Morecambe. Part of the Galloway's Support Through Sight Loss family. Twelve and Hall of Fame. The track featured the American Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas and spent two weeks at number one. 
More from Steve Bates, MBE now, our special guest on the show this time. With the Tokyo Olympics on the horizon, Steve and Adam Duggleby, his site pilot, were working hard to be picked for Team GB again and were hoping to repeat their successes in Rio. Whilst the world was plunged into a pandemic, that wasn't the only problem for Steve. Tokyo was um, obviously with the, with the whole pandemic pushed back a year, and and you know now now I'm 44, so that age was always gonna gonna be against me. But the biggest challenge for me was in January last year, I found out I needed hip surgery, and having having been the year before with the games postponed a year, it would have been perfect timing. Hmm. But probably the one time in my life where. Um, I've been very fortunate with injuries in my in my sailing career, and this came at probably the worst time possible. So the ultimatum was I could I could have surgery in January um, and take away all the pain when I uh, when I cycled, but the reality with that was you know Adam and I wouldn't make the games. I wouldn't be able to rehab it in time and get back to a level of fitness to to make the games. And obviously, having worked for five years now, instead of the four, it was an extra year. To me, that didn't really seem like an option. So the, the second option was we can try and get you to the games. This was the medical staff um, by nursing this injury. But, you you know, it's going to compromise your training. It's going to compromise everything. But the caveat to that is at some point in the next seven months, your hip might just explode and you'll need surgery. You know, it'll be forced upon you and that will be that. It may be a case of actually, you know, the injury forces our hand and, and, and you'll miss the games anyway. So for me, that always seemed like the, the most realistic option. You've got to remember, I'm on a tandem, I'm riding with Adam, who's worked just as hard, if not harder than I have over the last five years. So to take that away from him would have been really harsh. So I elected to, uh, hey, let's try and get to the games. Let's try and nurse this injury. And we'll and we'll just see what the what the plan was. So I think from January I, I was pretty aware that repeating what we did in Rio was probably unrealistic with this injury because you know like I just couldn't train properly. You know I was, I was, in, I was in too much pain. But maybe if, if we struck it lucky on a day, we could maybe win one of the events or go close and at least get a medal, which is what what I was really after. You know that that was going to be a bonus to get to a games and win a medal was you know was awesome. But mm-hmm. my mindset in January was like I just want to enjoy the process and not put too much pressure on myself in terms of what I want to achieve. Um, but just Rio Rio was hard because I didn't I didn't enjoy Rio at the time. Retrospectively, it was brilliant because we were so successful. But going through the process and the game is really stressful. And I think winning on that first day. Um, and breaking that world record set a precedent. So it wasn't kind of like, oh, great, we can relax. It's like, right, okay, we're really fast and we're really competitive. So we should win all of these events. Mm. Um, So that brought its own stress and pressure with it. Whereas this time around, I thought, you know what, I just want to go and I want to, you know, I kind of figured it might be my last games. Um, I didn't know what would happen after the games and with surgery. So I just thought, you know what, my goal this time around is to go there and enjoy it, enjoy being there with my teammates and celebrate the success, whatever that is. And yeah, so we, we, we were lucky enough to get selected, which was great because that wasn't a given again either. Um, we were lucky enough to win the world championships in in July, which pro- in Portugal, which probably gave us that edge to be selected, maybe over some of the other athletes who were going well at the time. So we got to the games and like the pursuit, which we were we were the current um, Paralympic champions in, we we got a silver. Uh, we lost the final race to a uh, to a Dutch bike who were phenomenal. You know, like they deserved to win the gold. It was a privilege to share the track with them. On you know, they broke the world record and and, and took it to another level, which was phenomenal. Um, mm. They're lovely guys. They deserve all the success. 
and yeah, we we got a silver medal, and that you know was was incredible. The time trial, which we were current world champions and current Paralympic champions, we actually crashed out of. You know, we we were tipped to win. Whether we would have or not, I couldn't tell you. But unfortunately, our our bike disappeared, slid out from underneath us, going going around one of the bends at 35 miles an hour, mm. um, which which wasn't fun, but mm. um, completely unexpected with the injuries that we both sustained in that we couldn't finish and then I you know we couldn't start the road race two days later so out of the three events that we did we we actually competed in one didn't finish one and didn't even start the the third one so success rate from Rio to Tokyo it was absolutely terrible but you know in terms of my my own kind of goals of having a good time and enjoying myself you know I had a great time in Tokyo I really enjoyed it even though we crashed out and stuff and and again, it just show, it goes to show you that, you know, having a positive frame of mind, because for most people, that probably would you know, sort of a career ending thing, crashing out of your, your biggest event, you know, at, at the you know peak time of the, the season at the highest level. And, you know, and, and it didn't work out for us. And, you know, and I can look back on that and think, well, hey, you know what? I still had a great time. That didn't work. Didn't go to plan. We should have won that race, but we didn't. We didn't finish it, but, you know, lessons learned, hey, you know, can draw a line under it and, and move on. Like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion, like how a single word can make a I might only have one match. 
But I can make an explosion This is my fight song Take back my life song Prove I'm alright song My power is turned on I'm right now I'll be strong I'll play my fight song And I don't really care if nobody else believes Cause I've still got a lot of fight left in me No, I've still got a lot of fight left in me Rachel Platten from 2015 and the fight song. Spent one week at number one. And it was awarded Heart Radio's Best Lyric Award in 2016. And I think Steve has got a lot of fight left in him as well, Absolutely, he? <laughs> yeah. It sums him up totally, yeah. If you go on his website, Steve Bate MBE, you'll see that there are two lessons that he has on there. The first one is, life is short. Don't let anything stop you from following your dreams. And I think very much so. That's what he does. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And the second one is almost anything can be achieved if you are willing to put the work in. And that's just exactly right. Go out and get it. Don't. People don't just ring you up and say, will you do this for me? You've <laughs> got to go out and fight for well, it. Well, he did that with the with the cycling authorities, Absolutely didn't he? Because they did, didn't yeah. get back to him, yeah. so he pursued them. Yeah. Um, there is a, a quote from The Guardian, which we did talk about in the interview, but I haven't put it in, in, the, in the show. It was, the first thing you need to know about bait is if he puts his mind to something, he tends to make a success of it. Yeah, his mates love that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, he, gets, he tells me he gets ribbed quite a lot about that one because they've seen him doing all the failing, yeah. which brings me to what the media... <laughs> Absolutely. Steve has a wonderful thing about the media. He says, the key thing about being about successful is is turning it up and doing well when the media's there. So don't do it when they're not there. Yeah. <laughs> but when the media turns up, always make a success of something. Because they think then that you're a raging success. And he says after making so many mistakes, he's finally learned a way to make a success of it, and that's surround yourself with the media when you know it's going to work. Absolutely right, Steve. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> Everybody should ride bicycle. Bike for me, bike for you, bike for everyone. Bike for me, bike for you, bike for everyone. Brr, bump, just me on the bike rider. Bump, bump, bike rider. Brr, bump, just me on the bike rider. Snaking in and out in the rice. Hi, 
like me now finna drop the jumps. Me now where he had any drums. Me now where he had any bones. Me now make no force. Me have no problem to pop my bag. Me have no problem to pop my bag. Sticking the cup up high down like. Sticking the cup up high down like. Mungo's Hi-Fi, Prince Fatty Mix, and it's called Bike Rider. Just right for me, that then. <laughs> it's a sound system based in Glasgow, actually. It doesn't sound like it comes from Glasgow. And a sound system is a group of engineers and MCs playing ska, rock steady, or reggae music. And the sound system is an important part of Jamaican culture and history. You're listening to Galloway's Get Together with Bob and Jill. If you'd like to get in touch with Galloway's via the internet, it's www.galloways.org.uk. If you enjoy Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Galloway's. If you like Twitter, it's at Galloway's Blind. We look forward to hearing from you on any of the platforms. This is the Galloway's Get Together Show with Bob and Jill, and we're talking to Steve Bate, MBE. Three days after he came back from Tokyo, Steve had the surgery on his hip, and he drew a line under the events of the Games and looked to move on. Did he decide he was done with his cycling career? Did he decide to have a quiet life? Don't think so, do you? Not, not his style. I was going to retire after Tokyo because I thought I'd, I'd had enough and I'd achieved everything that I could have in the sport. But having, having three months of not riding your bike and recovering from hip surgery, I realised actually that I, I love riding my bike 
and and I love the process of training and achieving goals every day. I'm just going to play it by ear, and I'm you know I'm not going to say yes, I'm definitely going to go to Paris. Um, unless the BC selectors are listening, then yes, I am definitely <laughs> going to go to Paris. <laughs> but that if that means you know Paris is an option, then yeah, you know I'll I'll definitely look at that. But at, at the moment, I I know I need to get back fit. You know, like I'm back training now. If we would have won that gold medal and executed the ride that we had planned in Tokyo, I think I'd be happy to walk away. If I don't get back to full fitness or it's it's not the, um, you know, it's just not meant to be that I pull the, you know, the, the national jersey on again and race at that level, then, you know, I, I, can, I can walk away fulfilled yeah, with a great career. I think the, the next thing for me is trying to qualify for the Commonwealth Games this year in yeah. Birmingham and trying to get back fit and selected for that, which will be a big challenge. And then... Next year, um, I plan to try and race my bike from Cairo to Cape Town um, to try and set or try and, yeah, try and break Mark Beaumont's Guinness World Record of riding the length of Africa. That, that's been a kind of project that I've had in the background for the last three years. But it's, it'll, it'll be the first time that a certainly visually impaired athlete will, will take on such a kind of prestigious world record mm. um, in, in adventure, in adventure riding. Mark Beaumont, who has the record, is, is a friend of mine, and he's he's come on board to help me out and be be an advisor, which is brilliant, considering it's his record that I stand to break if I can <laughs> get to the start line and, and, and beat his time. Um, he's he's really excited. He's, he's desperate for me to have a crack at it. It's a hell of a record to break. You know, hope, I'm hoping that that's going to send send little shockwaves around the world about you know just what people with visual impairments can achieve. The plan at the moment is to to try and attempt to ride 240 miles a day for 25 days wow. to race the length of Africa. Mark has completed it in 42 days, so I'm trying to almost half what he did. I think it's possible to, to do that. Mm. Um, I think 25 days is very ambitious because there's seven borders that you have to cross. And in that 25 days, that's allowing three hours to cross each border yeah. in Africa, which... Um, which I think is might be a bit foolish. Probably six <laughs> hours each border would be a, a bit more realistic. Mark's been a great, great kind of uh, inspiration for this. Where actually, if you look at what you can personally do, and and then lay that out there, yeah, um, it's the psychology of it as well, isn't it? I think I think when you're on an expedition like that, where it, where it lasts longer than kind of ten days, um, there's only so much training that you can do you know to to get yourself fit enough and, and and i always think with things like this if you can get through the first week your body will adapt to what it needs to do so mm. as long as you're fit enough to get through the first week and not get injured your body accepts the fact that i'm going to ride 240 miles a day 16 hours a day that's what i have to do and, and i don't think the you know my legs are going to be the thing that fail um i think the thing that will fail will be probably be my maybe my lower back or my neck and shoulders or you know, just my eyesight, you know, trying to ride alone um, over that distance, you know, through in, in the dark and things that obviously that brings a lot of challenges for someone who's visually yeah. impaired. And, you know, I don't see my fitness, you know, or my legs are going to be the issue. I think it's probably going to be my body breaking down or mentally falling apart. Um, so you won't have a team with you when you're doing this. You'll be cycling alone, will you? Uh, I'll, I'll have a team on the, a support team with me, but I'll be on a solo bike. So I won't be on a tandem. Right. So I won't be relying on a site pilot exciting oh, times ahead yeah i wish i wish you all the best for that one and, uh, yeah i hope you'll keep us in touch with what you're doing yeah so my my plan with this 
big adventure is is to make it as accessible for everyone as possible. Um, I'm hoping to take a film crew with me to make a documentary out of it, but also have day by day updates so people can follow along and see the progress and see, uh, yeah, <laughs> enjoy <Right>. the suffering. <laughs> Mm. And when are you planning to do this? <laughs> uh, February next year. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath. Scared to rock the boat and make a mess. So I said quietly, agreed politely. I guess that I forgot I had a choice. I let you push me past the breaking point. I stood for nothing. So I felt.
like to listen to the back catalogue of all the Galloway's get-together shows that me and Jill do, Galloway's now have their own account on Mixcloud. It's called Galloway's Audio. All you do is go to Mixcloud, put in the search bar Galloway's Audio, and it comes up with every show that we've ever done. You just click on whichever show you'd like to listen to, and away you go. You can listen to the shows as many times as you like. Galloway's Audio on Mixcloud. there from 1970 we couldn't have a program about I'm all out of breath (laughs) (laughs) we couldn't have a program about a cyclist without having that one could we (laughs) no we couldn't an Australian band pizza number two that one but couldn't move my sweet lord from the top spot so Steve being Steve and never giving up he has taken on this massive adventure cycling from Cairo to Cape Town to break the world record for this distance He's hoping to take with him a film crew and a support team, but the budget for this is absolutely massive. So Steve is looking for corporate sponsors. The biggest factor standing in my way at the moment is funding. Right. Um, so tr- trying to get the sponsorship raised to uh, to go and take on this a, a record of this kind of note and caliber isn't obviously isn't cheap. Um, so yeah, so the next kind of three months for me are pretty pretty crucial to see if I can get sponsorship to actually make make this thing happen. Like a, a lot of this has been, it's been timing and luck and it's not what you know, it's who you know. So 
you know, if any if anyone out there does know anyone who would be interested in getting involved in supporting this in terms of you know sponsorship, it's 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 very hard to have conversations with um, big corporates and things like that when you're just cold calling them. So. Yeah. Uh, if anyone does have any interesting contacts or people who they think might be useful, then yeah, please definitely send them my way. Waka waka? What's waka, all that about, Jill? Well, did you know that waka waka is a slang phrase from the Cameroon and it means do it? Does it? That fits in with Steve, it doesn't it? very much Just does get out so. there and do it, yeah. yeah. It was also the official song of the 2010 uh, World Cup, which was held in South Africa. Absolutely. <laughs> Galloways get active. There's just so much to do, such as walking, climbing, cricket, archery, curling and sailing. You can even get involved in a residential at the water park in Coniston in the Lake District. 
Not forgetting the car day at Three Sisters Race Circuit in Wigan. If you'd like to see all the action, why not have a look at the Galloway's Get Active Facebook page? Or telephone Galloway's on 01-772-744-148. Or you can email enquiries at galloway's.org.uk. And James Colton and the team will guide you in the right direction. Galloway's Get Active. There's just so much to do. You come to me 
Tina Turner. Back to 1989 for that one, a cover of the Bonnie Tyler song. We love that, don't we? Oh, absolutely <laughs> love that one. Standing on the terraces at Wigan singing that one. Brilliant. Uh, Tina Turner added the saxophone and key change, and it was an international success, and it's been used in all sorts of adverts. And, of course, sporting events as absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. What an amazing guy Steve is. His attitude to life is so positive. And when he's been dealt a bad card, he just deals with it and moves on. Uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. I really enjoyed chatting to him. And there was so much more that we talked about that there wasn't time to fit into this show. No, so hopefully in the future we'll be able to use more of it. Yeah, we'd like to thank Steve so much for giving us his time. Because the whole thing was about two hours. Because by the time we'd had a chat and then I did the interview and, oh, it was brilliant. Uh, and we'd like to wish him all the best for his future events and adventures. Absolutely. The very best of luck, Steve. Well, it's been an amazing show, hasn't it, Bob? Absolutely And we all hope you've enjoyed it. So we'll leave you, as always, with the Human League and let's get together again because that's what we'd like to do. So it's goodbye from me, Jill. And it's Tarara bit from me, Bob.
And if you'd like to get in touch with Galloway's, it's really very easy. The opening hours are from 9 till 5, Monday to Friday. The telephone number is 01772-744-148. And if you'd like to email them, it's enquiries at galloways.org.uk. And the receptionist there will be very pleased to welcome you. <laughs>